It is high tide for the ACC Basketball Degenerates. That's who we are. I'm your host, Luke Neer, a.k.a. DJ number one. DJ number two is not in the building right now, and that would be Guthrie Alexander. He has more important business to attend to, and that's a fact, gentlemen. But in his normal seat, in front of his normal mic, well, he's not actually, not actually in front of his mic right now. Now he is. He was leaning back. Is Taylor Pilkington. He had a rough week. Hello, hello. Some difficult feedback for the Knowledge Quest Life Experience segment, but it's okay. Feedback is good. Constructive criticism. And number four. <laughs> Polarized our listeners. Vegas Mike is here. Back to being Vegas Mike. Because it's about that time. Yeah. It's that time to make the pilgrimage, remember? I mean, it's almost the whole reason that I wanted to become involved with this podcast with you fine gentlemen was so that you could educate me to go to Vegas, spend all of our money collectively gambling on basketball together, and with it we will rise like a phoenix, like the Kansas Jayhawk phoenix that was dead in the ground for a Big 12 championship. We will rise and, you know, buy a house together and shoot a new episode of Real World. It'll be great. I'm in. <laughs> Order of business tonight. We're going to hit the national I couldn't live with you guys. headlines, and then we're going to get to our guest tonight. We do have another guest. It's two weeks in a row. That's the first time it's ever happened in our podcast. I feel the momentum, Is that true? guys. I really feel the momentum. Is that true? I don't think we've had this much of a surge since season one, mm. where people actually started subscribing. So I'm excited. Well, I will say that we had the most listeners for last month in any January that we've ever recorded. You know why? It's because of how our parents raised our fans. <laughs> to quote Buzz Williams, for those of you out there, I don't know if we have any Virginia Tech listeners out there anymore, but maybe some of the NC oh, State people. Oh, we definitely do. That's not true. <laughs> I think I think they're all gone. Absolutely. They left. But regardless, shout out to our fans. So let's hit the NCAA T picture headlines today. How fortuitous. Big news drop. Big news. You know what? I'm going to go the other direction. Give me a news As, read. I want to I'm not going to pile on. I'm I'm depiling the pile right now for mm. Louisville. Okay. Yeah. I mean, after what happened with every other shenanigan of a NCAA investigation that happened in the last four years, should this really happen? I, I don't know. So tell everyone what happened just to set the stage here. Well, they're going to tear the banner down. That's right. all that... Needs to be said. Vacate a bunch of wins. 123, to be exact. That's right. I went back and counted them all. The title. And then I saw that every article actually mentioned exactly 123 and realized I did not have to count them all. I'm also flying to Louisville tomorrow to be a man the on the ground release. to investigate and to talk to people in the streets about this. Mm. Why don't not we for just, the podcast, but yeah. Why don't we just call been... the guy that we called last year, who was the beat reporter for Jeff Louisville? Jeff Greer? Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we should could, call Jeff next week. Maybe see what I'll he's hang doing. out with him tomorrow. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, you'll see him out there. Regardless, yeah. How do you guys feel about this? Uh I mean, the fact that it are you, are you playing pin the tail on the donkey like everybody else out there who's indignant in 2018 and so, has to have a take and you know witch hunt. So let's be clear that this is in reference or as retribution for the sex scandal, not for the Adidas scandal. Correct. Right. Yes. So for those listeners that may not be aware right. of that, uh, you know, Katina Powell's recounting of strippers, you know, paid for by former assistant Andre McGee. Yeah, it's bad. It's I'm been not saying so long bad, since I've heard that name. Let me, let me say, oh wow! <laughs> but paid for by former assistant Andre McGee. Okay, so I mean that that is I I think the main reason, obviously, that it's a big deal. You know, I think there is an argument to be made that it is maybe a little overblown. Maybe it's too much uh, penalty for Louisville for this particular item. But honestly, does vacating 
championships matter? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, with no respect to Louisville fans, who I know some of them are very upset about this, some people, whatever. I kind of feel like this is the way they keep they, the NCAA, keeps everyone happy and nobody cares in that vacating titles is not going to like take away. I mean, I've already seen tweets from like Kevin Ware seeing like, we still got the ring, you know, well, we I, still got. I wonder it. if there's NCAA officials who are going to be monitoring the taking down of the banner, if that's an actual thing. Like, I mean, if that's the case, who knows? A Wolfpack fan might climb the ding dong rafters and try to clip down. I don't know which championship from North Carolina it could happen. Right? I mean, I remember I wouldn't watching be surprised that. If a, if a Wolfpack fan went that far. I remember watching the Final Four games in New York at a Louisville bar with a bunch of friends who were from Louisville. Did you think Wichita State got robbed? Nah. <laughs> no. So you're one of those guys who always sides with the officials. Exactly. You should go into broadcasting. TV <laughs> Teddy. TV Teddy and me. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, and I just. That's, you know, you're not going to take away the memories of, like, watching that to get very sappy. The mm-hmm. vacating titles is going to matter for the record books, but, like, it's kind of a toothless gesture that placates people who are like, punish them, but also doesn't really matter for the school that much. I mean, if you're a recruiter, are you going to care that they vacated titles? No, you still watch them on TV win that national championship. Right. And, and, I mean, they gave back some money in conference revenue, but... It was relatively little. Ranger Rick is gone. Basically nothing. I mean, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. But that's not related to this, though. Well, I think our stance is somewhere in the middle. Not to be... That's not the essence of this podcast, but I I think that's where we stand. Usually we love a hot take. The greatest punishment that happens here is that Rick Pitino has to live with the tattoo on his back left shoulder blade that outlines the 2013 National Championship with a record of 35-5. and Yeah. I hope that he keeps the tattoo... And then just rebrands it with an O and forty, but still national champs. That's still that's actually what I'm hoping. That's the banner they'll never take away. Is the I mean, tattoo on Rick's if back you, left shoulder blade? If you really want to like punish a program, you don't vacate titles. You right. make them take away scholarships in the future years. You make them lose like recruiting privileges. I mean, that sort of stuff is what kills programs. It's not vacating titles. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know what to say. Yeah, of the story. I got way more into ta- it than, than I expected. Can we talk about more to. interesting things? <laughs> sure, sure. That's a the big story for the ACC. Yeah, it right is. Now, but no. the president is the president. Mm-hmm. Let's go there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if if Russ Smith is still available for Louisville, they need him. But you know what? Actually, there's one thing you talk about the president. There were four current Louisville players on that 2015 team. Can you name them? They were freshmen. Whoa. Wait. The, the guys that seem Quint- like Mahmoud. they've been there forever. Mahmoud. Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder's, Snyder's been there for one of them. Years. He's been there forever. Mahmoud. Mahmoud was one of them. Yeah. That's when he was the Egyptian guy. Yeah, that's right. Before he was Mahmoud. That's right. Four mm-hmm. guys in Egyptian. That's, that's a true. quote by Rick Patino. That's all I got. Thanks for covering me there. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't get sued. Yeah, right. I was just quoting Rick. Jalen Johnson was the other one. Oh, wow. Who was a young, promising yeah. big man at the time. Good now, locker room guy now. Yeah, now does not play. Just a locker room guy? Yeah. And uh, some guy named David Levitch, who I'm not <laughs> really right. sure what he does, but he's an important <laughs> he's an important scout man. Wasn't the second coming of Padgett also on that team? Uh, Luke, oh, yeah. Luke Hancock? Yeah. Thank oh, you. Yeah. No. I'm getting old. Luke, Thank you for... just because they share the name Luke? <laughs> Completely different players. No, no. Great three-point shooter. Both he... sort of tall. <laughs> oh, Padgett, Padgett was a lane interior guy. 
my actual whatever fa- um luke was a hancock was a stretch yeah my favorite stretch memory man. of luke hancock was that he was actually the only one to run towards kevin ware when he broke his leg i think he also got them through wichita state Huh? well yes i think he had like 28 29 mm. in that game yeah he, he yeah like oh yeah he carried it yeah. yeah he did mm-hmm. okay Huge. what else do we have to talk about come on well the AP, everybody lost yeah we, we can talk about every <laughs> let's talk about the top 10 and the bloodbath yeah i mean everybody lost i mean what was it 15 of the top 25 teams lost which last is week? also an excellent segue into our picks last week i don't know why we're not keeping track of picks this year are we not no i thought guthrie had a spreadsheet he did last year, and I was in dead last for the entire year. Oh, so and you deleted in, it. I've been in top I was gonna spot say, all year round. I think I was this year. I'm crushing first place you last guys. year, and this year I've been terrible. Taylor's so struggling. Mike is like on my heels, but the fact that Mike switched his Michigan pick to Ohio State on game day, mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah. I, what can I say? I love Bates D up. I couldn't. I couldn't help myself. You couldn't. And you I do love it all the Michigan. Time. And I love Michigan. You do. You were so passionate on this podcast. Yeah. So Michigan covered. The Florida State Seminoles had an incredible comeback to win by two, and by game time it was minus one. So I'm going to claim an Islander win for that one. (laughs) I'm also claiming Islander win with Duke over Clemson. So we all... Were you the only person, really? You're making a lot of claims. Yeah. We we missed... You can check the tape. Allegedly. Planning a lot of flags. I missed on Cincinnati. I, I... going to be like dead serious on that. Missed mm-hmm. on Oklahoma. I don't know what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Never picking that team again. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. You and everyone else. Which means it's a great time to pick Oklahoma. I know. You got to go against the public right here. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Taylor got Virginia over Miami. It was a miracle. But it happened. Mm-hmm. So Never congratulations. In Never in doubt. Yeah. That, that's a quick recap from last week. But top 10 teams. It was a tough week. Auburn. Difficult. Right. Injury. Right. Of course. Huge, coming to huge loss. Who out Cincinnati? Good gracious. Yeah, they Purdue. lost twice. Oh, my goodness. Couldn't win. Um, Ohio State couldn't win. Lost two games. You know, But honestly, with the bloodbath that happened in the top 25 last week, what happened was... It yeah, all top 10 out, as well. Right? But my, two of my favorite teams that we've talked about on this podcast pretty much all year made it into the top 25. That is Middle Tennessee State. Indeed. In Houston. The Hilltoppers. Middle Tennessee State. The first time ever in the top 25. I got to give you credit. You were like, it was one of the biggest, I don't know, conflicts of your soul. Houston and Cincinnati. Houston at home. Yeah. I went back and reviewed the tape. Mm -hmm. I did. And you were this close. You were like, I love Houston so much. I do. You do? Yeah. And they were, I think, four point dogs, I think, at home. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that game meant everything to them. You know, they... If you haven't watched a lot of Houston this year, I mean, they have three of the kind of more dynamic guards in the country and Corey Davis, Armani Brooks, and Rob Gray. Rob Gray gets a lot of credit. I think he actually recently became the all-time leading scorer in the AAC, Um, but it's kind of a joke because the conference is not very old. Ouch. (laughs) He he is... Um, Rob but, Gray is the new like holder of the man bun title in America from Kyle Guy. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, right. But yeah, Who's, anyways, exciting team. I, I'm excited to see him in March. Next line. The who, new Dayton. Who is the more insufferable <laughs> perennial conference champion, Kansas or Villanova? Uh, I did not write this question. Absolutely Kansas for Can, me. The, mo- the most insufferable perennial conference champion. Yeah. Absolutely Kansas. Why? You don't uh, like Bill Self? 
I just well, be, they shouldn't win this year. They I, should not win this year. I guess maybe it's a little. Is there? You know, it, I it's agree one of those questions. It's like a Maximus question. Is there no one else? <laughs> is there no one else? I guess the there's they're gonna have is to there wheel, no one else. They're gonna that's, have to wheel uh, Keaton Evans onto the court. That's have why him beat Kansas next week. That's why it's weekend. so frustrating, right? Is like their streak has been going on for so long, and for so many of those years, there were so many other teams in the Big Twelve that seemed so good. And then, no, it doesn't matter. They always lose. They go into Fog Allen, and they lose. And they right. and Kansas finds a way to do it, no matter well, who they have. This year, they're going to do it again. Yeah, Texas Tech is still out there, guys. They're going to beat Maybe, Texas Tech, sh- and they're going to win the really? Big 12. Eight. Life is a, a bleak and mm. joyless existence, and Kansas <laughs> wins the Big 12, and we all move on. That's terrible. And then the sweet release of death comes for us all. You know, if Kansas ends up as a onesie, I, I don't even know what I'm going to do. That, that would be it. One of the most, yeah, it would be one of the greatest catastrophes of the modern era. It'd be ridiculous. Did you watch the game last night against I Oklahoma? I did watch the game, but yeah. Oklahoma is a train wreck. Right. They murdered that Oklahoma. Team is awful now. Well, look, but, if you remember when Oklahoma and Kansas played earlier in the year, that was the game that Trey Young had said before, before, I'm not shooting any threes. Do you remember that? He came out and said, I'm not going to shoot any threes. And he did not shoot any threes the entire first half. He ended up going seven for nine, 26 points, had a great game against Graham, right? Graham, the senior guard from Kansas, right? Graham, Graham no likey. Graham no likey that. He's now like, I'm going to so, play 40 minutes yeah, every so, game. Is that a direct <laughs> quote? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a, not a direct quote. Uh, Graham is a much, much more eloquent man than that. Um, but, he also doesn't like bow ties. Why do you say that? It's a fun fact. I, I oh, respect he's just that. like against it. It is not like bow as, ties. A, as a person who cannot pull off a bow tie personally. These are insider. And I, don't wear, I love it. Facts that I know, so, like uh, Kennedy Meeks on the elevator. He's scared Devontae of elevators. Graham doesn't like bow ties. So Graham comes out last night, puts up twenty three, has an offensive rating of one forty six. He started like four for four and had you know twelve points yeah, in a blink of an eye. Just on fire. So I, you know. I don't. I don't think Kansas. this Kansas team is great. Azabuki's been playing out of his mind, but anyways, yeah, they might get a one. They're they, definitely going to win the Big Twelve now. It's a sad day, but I think the most insufferable perennial champion is actually Villanova. Villanova, man, they they've why? won. They're they've good. won every single conference good. championship. They deserve it every since, year. <laughs> so it's Kansas. No, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> not this year. No, they don't. No, Villanova has won every single conference championship since the Big East was realigned which is wild to think about i didn't even know that until you like put it in our notes before the show yeah. it's crazy to me it's upsetting the last big east team to win a championship was louisville and it was that year with russ smith where patino ends the season with the tattoo on his back mm-hmm. well the last time kansas well did they win the big east that year the big 12 it's vacated <laughs> no wait, that's not it. <laughs> million dollar baby beat the incredibles for best picture of the year yeah uh-huh mm-hmm. the incredibles was a better film there was another movie that deserved it over both no. of those i just can't no. think of it right now no because i've lost my hillary memory. swank <laughs> stop it when she hit that stool i think i cried you know we've been talking about spoiler alert one seeds and two seeds and bids so we're gonna that's a perfect segue into our next guest let's go there right now let's go because we're man. all looking forward to march yeah he'll straighten us out Let's, let's talk to Chris. The Bracketologist for SB Nation, Chris Daubertine. That's right. He's our third guest this year following Mr. Ken Pomeroy and Chris Peterson. So we're going to dig into, I mean, we're four games out from conference tournament play. So things are starting to shape up. 
a lot of teams should be getting scared right now. There's a few in the ACC. We're going to go over those and some others, including a team in the Big 12 who generally pops up on every single college basketball page ever since when, guys? December? We're going to talk about them, too. But, Chris, thanks for thanks so much for joining us on the ACC Basketball Degenerates Podcast. Glad to be with you. You have you have quite a lineup of guests, and I'm happy to be among them. <laughs> well, you know, we were saving the best for last. You might be the final one of the year. So, <laughs> yeah, with that said, let's go ahead and begin. You know, my first question, and I— it's got to be hard being a bracketologist because if a fan sees his or her team who's on the bubble and you have them in by your estimation, they probably shrug and say, yeah, duh. But when you exclude a team, the fan base probably riots at you and sends you unspeakable things. And that's what I'm guessing. Is that the case? Yeah, and usually is that way most years. This year it hasn't quite been you know, so fierce in terms of reactions. I think mostly because everybody knows that pretty much from seed line five all the way down to the cut line. There's a whole, there's just a whole big mess and there's not a whole lot of separation. So I, I think that, that, that fans kind of understand a little bit more that this is not a normal season and that, that there's really a lot, a lot of room to move for the last few weeks. So, but we'll see what happens as we get the championship week. That's when, when things really get a little bit more clearer, you know, if, you know, fans kind of start getting into my mentions that they really haven't been so far. Yeah, um, that sounds dreadful, but here's a question, a broad one. I believe two or three years ago was a year where it was an anomaly and a lot of non-Power 5 teams were making noise, like a lot of Missouri Valley squads were getting mentions, and it was a field that wasn't quite a Power 5 heavy field. It seems like that might be the case this year, but I could be wrong. I think the ACC is certainly down. I don't trust the Big 12 like everybody else does. You might. What are your observations in that realm? I, I wouldn't say that it's really going to be a great year necessarily for, for non-conference or non-power conference at large teams. I do think that there are going to be a lot of opportunities for quality non, or non-power conference teams to win games because you're going to have Nevada 1 standing out. Rhode Island is looking like they're probably going to be a 4 or 5 seed. Gonzaga has really gotten back up to kind of not at that level they were at last year where they, you know, made it to the national championship game, but they're certainly in the position now where they're going to be able to win a game or two or three in the tournament. St. Mary's, if they make it, and it's the same type of thing. And then you look further down the line, and lines 12 and 13 are frankly going to be very scary for teams that are going to be on line four and five because line 12 right now is Middle Tennessee, who's beaten the Big Ten team in each of the last two first rounds, uh, New Mexico State, who beat Miami earlier, Loyola, who beat Florida at Florida. On line 13, you have Louisiana, who was on a great unbeaten run in the Sun Belt. Vermont, who's been on a great unbeaten run in the America East that just ended. So there are some really fierce teams there that really could make a run at the Sweet 16 out of a 12 or a 13 spot. Absolutely. I mean, even uh, even the Montanas of the world out there, I think, are uh, are really showing up. Weber State, even. Um yeah, I mean, that's kind of my great fear is that I see, you see one of these, um, you know, you see like a Loyola Chicago losing its conference tournament and a team that's getting AP votes right now. You wonder, you know, you want to see them in the tournament and to see them lose something like a conference tournament, whether it's them or Buffalo or Vermont, like you mentioned, it'd be a shame not to see them in the tournament. Uh, and those those conferences are just not going to not going to have two bids, um, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I think that we really kind of need to think a little bit more about maybe tournament expansion. Again, I just actually saw 
a nice tweet a little bit ago saying to do it a little bit different way, maybe having a situation where a team that is a one seed in this conference tournament gets knocked out in the semifinals, the quarterfinals, whatever, have them play off against one of the last, you know, eight at-large teams for a spot, maybe for a spot in the 11, 12, or 13 line. And I think that that might be kind of the way to go to kind of get those teams included, especially in a season like this one where those teams that are going to be the final at-larges are going to have somewhere between 11 and 14 losses. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there's... There's just uh, no question that the Power Five conferences hold serve when it comes to the NCAA tournament at-large process, uh, especially in a year where it's so competitive across all the mid-majors. You know, it's a shame that nobody out there outside of maybe the A-10 will get uh, two bids, uh, you know, as a, as a conference. Yeah, Chris? really, at this point, it's, you know, the A-10, the, the West Coast Conference, and, you know, the Mountain West of Nevada happens to fall you know, in the league championship game or a semifinal. That's going to be pretty much it this year for non-power, I'd say power seven conferences, Yeah, you know, compared to everybody else. Chris, looking at the ACC specifically, right now you are projecting nine teams in. And, yeah. um, and you have Louisville, surprisingly to me maybe, I know they have a tough end-of-the-year schedule, but they're just – Past the cut, they didn't make the cut. They're out. No, for you. no he's right there, Taylor. You're wrong. Yeah, yeah. T- I'm Louisville holding out. out. I'm I think holding they're out. out. So, but nine teams in. When you're looking at th- that uh, list of teams, who is most difficult for you to decide? Like where they're going to be seated, whether they're in or out, where they're coming down. I mean, I'm looking at these teams at Virginia Tech, NC State, Syracuse. Maybe they've had kind of up and down seasons. Had some great wins, but also some kind of perplexing losses. Maybe what it. Which of those teams are tough for you to nail down where they're going to end up? Really, it's the last two, Louisville and Syracuse, that are the ones because they don't really have, they don't have what Virginia Tech and North Carolina State have at this point, which they don't have a real top tier, top 10, top five. Or in the case of Virginia Tech, they have the, you know, win on the home tour of the number one team in the country. And Louisville, their best wins right now are against teams ranked 45th, 55th, and 68th in the RPI. That's not really anything to hang your hat on. Most of the argument for Louisville at this point has been, well, the Cardinals have no bad losses. Yeah, but you got to beat somebody. And you look at what they have down the rest of the way, they're going to have a great shot to do that because they have potentially, oh, you know, four more Group 1 win potentially they can pick up in the final two weeks. Syracuse, you know, that win against Miami was big because that was, again, another opportunity that they got to show that they could win on the road. Syracuse is always traditionally a very strong team at home and, you know, has not played as well away from home. That's been a little. They've been a little bit better at that this year, but they still kind of need a top tier win, and they have an opportunity with that coming up tomorrow when you know North Carolina comes into town. Do you ever factor in entertainment value? Because obviously, when we got the snapshot of the first sixteen, I think the committee was doing that when they put Oklahoma where they did. Is that something that is almost impossible to evaluate from a statistical standpoint or a resume standpoint? And does that hurt or help Syracuse because of the name on the jersey? Or, But at the same time, you could say, well, Syracuse, you know, they, they don't score too much. And apparently that's an awful thing in college basketball. As far as the media is concerned, how do you evaluate politics if you do it all? Yeah, I, I try not to factor the entertainment portion of things into things because the thing you have to remember with the NCAA tournament, you know, pretty much all the tickets are already sold. You know, you might be worried about television ratings a little bit, but really, you know, 
that that money's already that's coming in. That money is coming in already from Turner and CBS. So you don't really have to worry about that. So I don't think about that too much. I do think about politically though, because you know, members of the selection committee are supposed to, you know, recuse themselves when their teams or their conferences being discussed if they represent a team or a conference. But there are times you can think where, you know, do you really want to say to somebody when they come back to them, yeah, we voted your team out. You know, you really want to do that. So you kind of think about things on the committee side, on the politics side in that way more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. So when, when you're looking overall at the at the teams within the ACC, which which team do you see as being the most difficult to seed? I mean, we, we've talked about the nine that are in, but... You know, when you're looking at that overall bracketology about where to seed, which which team do you look at and see is the most difficult to seed? For a while, it was it was North Carolina, simply because they had you know they always have really good wins. They have really good wins this year, but they also have some really questionable losses, like losing to Wofford, you know, during you know the holiday break. Mm-hmm. So that was the team that up until they really kind of got things together over the past couple of weeks, starting with. You know the win over Duke. I, really, that was the team that gave me the most the most trouble of them all. Right. Well, the the new death lineup is what they like to call it there in uh, in Durham, uh, running with Luke May as the five. You know, I, Chapel Hill, Mike. Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Chapel Hill. You know, I, I just I wonder. You know, when you have those kind of midseason changes like that, and a, a team essentially changes its its makeup, you kind of you saw it a little bit maybe with Syracuse last year, even or I'm sorry, two years ago. Um, you know, when they got in and made some noise there in the tournament. You know, how how much do you factor in teams' recent performances as opposed to their overall resume as as you get closer to March? This is something the committee has gone away from. Over the past few years, they used to have, you know, a last 10, last 12 game benchmark in the first few years that I did this, and they got rid of it. Mm -hmm. I honestly kind of wish they'd go back to it, because you want to evaluate teams. The goal is to evaluate teams for how they're going to be in the tournament. Yes, you're looking at their entire body of work. Yes, you want to factor in, you want, you know, November, December to be as important as January, February, and March, you know, for purposes of entertainment. And for purposes of you know fairness and balance of the season and making sure everything every game is equal, right, right. You want every game to count. Yeah. But unfortunately, you have to also keep in mind that you know these are college students; they're dealing with college student things, and you know teams are naturally, especially the younger teams, they're going to grow as the season goes on. So I think you really kind of have to factor in you know what a team has done and how they've grown over the five months, as opposed to just you know saying, okay, they were terrible in November, they're better in March, but you know what? Because they were so bad the first two months of the year, they ought to be thrown out of the tournament, not even selected. Right, right. What about the injury situation? That relates to one specific team in the ACC. They're going to win their next two, I believe, because they're playing the bottom feeders. And then they have Virginia. Somehow they steal a win of Virginia. I'm talking about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Yeah. What do you do with that team? Because I would say out right now. Well, that's the thing. I mean... Right now, I would say out, but the committee, the members are always, you know, they're informed of what's going on with teams, what's going on with player availability, what's going on with injuries. You always want to get those players who are out. You want to get them back with a little bit of time before the conference tournament or at least in the conference tournament so the committee can get a little bit of a sense of where that team is with that player back. So that's the question for the Irish. Are they going to be fully, you know, loaded in time for 
you know, for Brooklyn. And and if they are, you know, this is a team that did very well early in the season, but now it's, you know, it's really the health question that's going to keep them, you know, keep them going and keep them out of it if, if you know, those, those aren't addressed. So hypothetically, wins against Wake and Pitt, that's not really even a hypothetical in my mind, yeah. and yeah. winning at Virginia and winning an ACC tournament game, is that enough? I think, you know, at that point, they would be, oh, 19 and 12, 20 and 12. And I think at that point, if they keep on winning, that's, that's going to definitely push them over the top because their RPI is at 67 right now, so they're kind of in range anyway. And if, you know, more wins, wow. especially against quality opponents like Notre Dame, that's going to definitely push them up. So I would definitely not, you know, eliminate Notre Dame from the picture at all right now. While we're throwing out crazy hypotheticals, <laughs> what about Boston College also sitting on Stop 16 it. wins? Stop it. I'm an optimistic person by nature. Uh, they got four games left. They've they've beaten Miami. They've beaten Duke. Those are all good wins. They're also getting drubbed by NC State right now. Yes, uh, that's good. Good. I'd like to yeah. mention that to you. I mean, let's say they pick up three that's wins. A, it's actually over. They what? they lost to 66 82. If they end the season with 19 wins and a, and a win in the ACC tournament, no out, way out. No way. Right. They're, they're so uh, far I out. I can't even issue, see them. The one issue that's going to come up and, and potentially. Bite BC is the fact that their non-conference schedule is hovering around 300. They're 290 <laughs> right now, and many loves to send loves to send messages to teams that don't win enough non-conference games against quality opposition. They're playing. They have four They have five teams on their team sheet right now. Five wins that are against teams ranked 300th or worse in all of Division One. Amen. We and making be- matters yeah. worse, they're one in ten against Group One. So uh, that definitely right there means they're going to. Sacred Heart is a lot tougher than people think. I just want to say that's a yeah. lot. That's a tougher win than. Yeah. Well. No, okay. Speaking of Boston College, I, I guess can dream. We we can talk a little bit then about the 16 seeds <laughs> because uh, if anything, that's what they would be, um, and well earned, I think, by Boston College. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of whispers this year that this is the year. This is the fabled year. That the sixteen takes down the one. Well, you're wrong. First of all, I've heard I've heard whispers of everybody that you see out there. Even we'll even throw in some fifteen seeds that you have seated right now that may drop. Who do you see is maybe being a potential interesting, at least borderline interesting matchup um, here down the road as we get closer to tournament time? Well, I think the two sixteens that I don't have in the first four would both be worth a look. I think Florida Gulf Coast can definitely give Kansas problems mm-hmm. in particular. And Harvard was one of those teams that started out very slowly and has really kind of picked things up going into the Ivy season. Right. And, of course, the other option in the Ivy right now is Penn, who's an even better team in my mind than Harvard is. So I think either one of those could at least keep things close in a 1-16 game when I don't think either, one, any, either of the play-in game winners is going to be able to get there. Yeah, I mean, Penn is, Penn is a highly skilled team, I think, and Florida Gulf Coast, I mean, you, do, you don't bet against Lob City, and, you know, I, I think that their head coach there is destined for a new job. They've lost two recently uh, there in conference um, to drop them down, which is kind of puzzling there for them. But, yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely a highly skilled group of, uh, you know, older – you got some leadership there, too, I think. I think they're one of the most experienced teams in the NCAA. So Florida Gulf Coast is definitely a team that you could see – 
you know, maybe getting in the mix with somebody like Virginia um, and maybe uh, maybe pulling off a little crazy upset. I like those picks. I like that. All right, finally, the last one seed. We know the, we know the three right now that are locks. Who are the three uh-huh. locks? Virginia, Michigan, State, Villanova. Okay. Can I get an amen from across the line? Are, are we there yet? I mean, there's it's gotta be Arizona. Arizona. I don't think Michigan State's there. Really? Michigan State's there. Nope. I don't. They don't have the quality wins. The down Big Ten. I love it. The fact they played a weaker non-conference schedule than normal didn't help them. I think that they're probably going to be a two. A two seeds really as high as they can get. Well, I think Xavier has a better shot, and well, I think uh-huh. that I think the winner of that Kansas Texas Tech game on Saturday is going to have a really good shot too. Well, I'd like and, to. And that's. And that's with Texas Tech not playing a great non-conference schedule themselves. Well, on behalf of Chris, I'd like to say shame on you AP voters. Who, whoever, you know, what was it, 14, 13, 17, put Michigan State at the one line. So with that said, for the fine, so if you're taking Michigan State out of the equation or they're on the, the fringe of a one, what are the ones? So you got Xavier in the mix. I think Duke is in the mix. You said Kansas with potential to get to the one line with Texas Tech. Where are you sorting yep. out the besides from Virginia Villanova? Where are you sorting out does, the one seed? Does Auburn still have a chance for a one seed? Auburn still has a shot too. I think that that right now uh, Virginia and Villanova seem locked in. I think the increasing order of likelihood will be Xavier, that Kansas Texas Tech winner on Saturday, Auburn, and then Duke because Duke has an issue kind of like Michigan State where they don't have the top tier wins either yet. Well, I but mean, they can get them in the ACC. You, you, Michigan State really can't. You bring up you bring up Auburn and you've mentioned um, you know Texas Tech while we've been here, but you know how does that injury injury to Macklemore you know that is obviously a devastating injury for Auburn, kind of very reminiscent of the uh, early season injury uh, to Gordon Hayward there in Boston. Yeah. Um, you know their major rim protector it does everything inside for them. You know. Obviously, the the resume currently for Auburn, I think, speaks very well to a one line seating. But mm-hmm. you know, you have you have Auburn, and then you even have uh, you know there in Texas Tech, um, you know, with the injuries that they're dealing with there with Keenan Evans and everything. You know, yep. I, you know, you just wonder how much is that going to factor in when you're looking at the overall seating. But the good thing is, this is you know, if you want an injury like that to happen, you want it to happen when there's still a couple weeks left, because as I said. The committee likes having that sample size of seeing what a team can do, you know, over those last couple of weeks without those key performers. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I still think to me you're gonna get you're gonna get someone out west on that one line, whether it's Arizona or maybe even a Gonzaga or something like that. You know, it just seems like it would it would fit out there that one of those teams would kind of backdoor their way <coughs> into something like that. But probably not Gonzaga because they don't have the conference uh to get them there. But anyways. Chris, every year I feel like teams in like the seven to 10 seed range, you get a lot of like that. That's your prime dark horse area. Uh-huh. Can you give me some teams that you think are kind of getting, they're falling back or they're, they're maybe moving up into that range that you think we should watch out for? Um, I would say Kentucky would be one because if they play with that lineup, they played with mostly against Alabama on Saturday and look completely, you know, fabulous with, I think mm-hmm. that's a team that really can kind of make a make a noise, and it's going to be a really scary team for a juicy to see as a potential second round game. Virginia Tech, I think, is rounding in the form at the right time. I think mm-hmm. that that's another squad to really you know pay attention to late. Um, Nevada could end up in that spot. You know, granted they have an injured point guard, which you know has yeah, that's another you know, that's another critical injury. Feeling a little bit, but I think that they they're another team to keep an eye on, and and 
maybe somebody if Arizona State can kind of you know find that magic from Miller in the season, you know, getting out of Pac-12 play, they might be another team to, to keep an eye on. Chris, it's been fantastic talking with you, but we know you do have to descend back down into your bunker. So we're, <laughs> we're going to let you go. Just my to... bunker is not a lot nicer than Lenardi's because I at least have my dog with me. <laughs> oh, do, the, do the bracketologists all know each other? I like to think that you guys all like hang out. You go, I don't know, you have meetups. Every and Tuesday night, the bracketologists get together. Did Paul Lenardi like cheat off your sheet? Is that like what's going on here? <laughs> a lot, yeah. We we a lot of us a lot of us talk, you know, especially on Twitter. Uh, I met Joe once. I met him when St. Joe's was in a in a holiday tournament in Florida. I met him then. Um, but yeah, we we talk a lot. Nice. I like that. I you know I like to imagine that Joe Lenardi walks into his barber and just says, "Give me the Coach K," and then they just cut his hair to look just like Coach K <laughs> as he walks out. So, <laughs> Chris, let us know where we can find your work or where our listeners can find you and what you're up to on Twitter and uh, where you are as far as SB Nation is concerned. Uh, SBNation.com. I do well now. Brackets will be a little more frequent now. Right now, we're doing Tuesday and Friday, and as we get the championship week, they'll be daily. With- Daily bubble updates as we get closer to the selection weekend. Um, blogging the bracket, I'll have conference tournament info there on Twitter at Chris Daubertine. So that's that's all the places you can find me. Fantastic. Right. Thank You're, you so much for your time. We appreciate it. it was doing great. great work. Thanks, doing Chris. Great work. Thanks for having me on, guys. Indeed. Yes, Chris Daubertine. Check him out. Yeah, with that said, let's recap some games from this past week. Plenty of business to go over. Michael, why don't you take the floor Ooh, all right well i think the you know obviously the big game from last week featuring two top 12 teams was duke at clemson right i mean i think that was a pretty big game a lot of people were tuning in on uh what was it saturday or whenever it was sunday sunday was it well every day runs together on the weekend <laughs> um <laughs> for some of us so big questions coming out of that game for me one first foremost is Clemson's lack of depth starting to finally catch up with them? You have Sheldon Mitchell, who had what looked to be a kind of very odd head injury, was concussed, went into concussion protocol. He was out for the game, primary ball handler. You have Devontae Grantham obviously out. Um, you know, where where is Clemson right now? I mean, they, they don't have many players. Yeah, well, everything kind of falling on they Gabe were a, DeVoe. They were a Gabe DeVoe team until we put on the D-Gen's curse to him, and he started, what, 0 for 9 with five turnovers in the Duke game? We really shouldn't talk about individual players because they always have a terrible game the next time out. Right, right. A- except if we go after them like Cameron Johnson, and then right. he turns it on. So, sorry, Gabe, and sorry, Clemson fans, but, yeah, that I mean, he had to play well for them to win that game. That's all I was thinking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were still in it until about, what minute mark do you think – yeah, I mean, I mean I'm, lo- I'm looking at the scoring now. I mean, it was a one-possession game up until about nine minutes left in the game. I mean, so it it's it wasn't totally out of hand for them. Um, you know, I, it was really close Clemson, at the end. And Clemson's if you had told also, me, yeah, go ahead. If you had told me that Marquise Reed and Gabe Duvall were going to go four for twenty-four combined, and they were going to be at it, yeah. and like Clemson was going to be anywhere close to them, I'd be like. Oh no! Well, they did lock it's down and play defense. Wild. I will say that. Speaking of defense, Duke in zone. Okay, 
Right. Now, a just like Baylor, they are a zone right. team. What's, what's the Coach K quote? We're just going to play zone. <laughs> I, he, he, well, he said it with such a way like, yes, I understand what you're all thinking, but the reason, I don't care. The reason is not defensively. It's so they can get out on the break right. offensively. That's the reason they're playing zone. Right. They're right. playing. We saw it in the second half against Virginia. Did really well as far as them getting some easy baskets against the best transition defense team, arguably, in the country. It's so, ba- It's basically hope that your ACC opponents – who don't see zone aside from Syracuse that much. And Clemson doesn't shoot the three. I mean, they've had stints. I'm still not sold that they're a three-point bomber. We're going to bust the zone team. I'm not there yet. I mean, you can give me all the numbers you want for the non-conference. Yeah. No, no, I'm with you. I've seen this before. I've said this before, excuse me, that like Clemson is best when they have the ball movement going around. They space the floor really well. And somehow against the zone, their floor spacing – kind of goes out all at, it goes a little off kilter and they don't have like that they don't have they don't find the corner three they don't find everything and they're not hitting those shots that they normally would right I mean it's it's a very interesting time for Clemson you know you have these injuries you, you're playing guys like David Scara right of Valpo fame you know everybody knows that I was a big Valpo guy last year um, you know, Elijah Thomas. He had some moments. He did have some moments. Elijah Thomas doesn't quite seem what he was earlier in the year. Amir of, Sims you have a lot just of thoughts kinda, on Elijah Thomas. I, I, I had a lot of big hopes it and blows dreams with the wind. Your thoughts on Elijah? Thomas. I had a lot he, of big hopes and dreams for Elijah Thomas. I was hoping that he would he would kind of be like the uh, was it Shaq Thomas uh, for Wichita State? Uh, Shaq Thomas. That's probably not his last name. Anyways, um, you know, I, I really had a lot of hopes and dreams for Clemson, but they're they're falling by the wayside I think and I think it's a not not only just a factor of their lack of depth but I think a factor of their lack of versatility you know within the players that they can play at different times this team reeks of a team who's not going to make the semis mm. not going to see the second weekend of March either no I'm saying the ACC tournament well, right, take right. it one step at a time right well you know ACC tournament. I, I've kind of been impressed I, by I, their I would put them at the 32 like, I don't know if I'd put them in the 16 though. I would be very reluctant it, it all depends on matchups, matchups but yeah. it, this team doesn't seem like it's a semi's team but so that's the thing it's the the depth is not a concern on a single game basis but it is a concern over like a stretch it of reeks of a white jersey team who's going to lose four games in two which weeks. is my token answer as far as tournament yeah. basketball is concerned. A white shirt team is going to lose. Hmm. Taylor doesn't understand what I'm talking no. about. Me- I'm going to explain it in layman's terms. The higher seed loses because they always wear the home whites. Got it. Uh, Got now it. you're in. Now Glad. I'm in. Thanks yep. for joining the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you have Duke where you have Grayson Allen who's has the best game of his year, I think, so far, besides the Michigan State game. Um, you know, I don't know, kind of two teams going in very opposite directions. Duke going more towards its McCree style that I had mentioned earlier. And then Clemson, you know, I just, I, I have doubts. I have doubts. Clemson okay. is a great defensive team for Grayson Allen to have a, a good game against, though, because they play a very physical, like, defensive shell on the perimeter around only one rim protector. And mm-hmm. Grayson Allen is a straight-line driver. He doesn't. He he doesn't move horizontally. He moves vertically. If That's you, an excellent point. You know he yeah. he pump fakes and he goes to the basket super hard and super fast, which is great in certain situations. But he doesn't have the ability to adapt. If you it's great when Bagley's not on the floor. Right. Let's go to another game. NC State Syracuse. The consensus is back, boys. It's back. We hit two consensuses this past week. Give yourselves a pat. I don't think yeah. that's ever happened. So NC State goes <laughs> into Syracuse. They win at the ever. dome. 
I still don't quite know why Syracuse is in. <laughs> you know, and then uh, I'll tell you a story. I was I was at the gym and I was watching last night when Notre Dame was playing Miami and Miami was decked out in the road oranges and I thought they were Syracuse for a minute and they were up and I was like, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe they are. And then I realized <laughs> it was Miami. <laughs> but no, NC State at Syracuse, it played out exactly how we thought it would. Yeah, I mean, look, NC State is a team that is kind of built to beat Syracuse in my mind, you know, and yeah. I think I think that they had a very kind of interesting take on what they were going to do in that Syracuse team game. They kind of ran a almost an amoebic zone offense where they ran things through guys like Freeman, like Freeman who yeah, I didn't even know he had the ability to pass the ball. You know, he he's one of the most reluctant passers in all of college basketball mm. with all the out of all the minutes that he plays. He, he does not like to pass the ball. And he had, I think what was it? Five or six assists in that game. Um, you know, obviously Markel Johnson continued to do his thing, but he only had five assists, you know, Braxton Beverly had five assists. So you kind of have, you kind of have ball distribution there for North Carolina state. Meanwhile, for Syracuse, you're going to have a, a team that is solely reliant on Tyus battle right now. I think O'Shea Brissett, is really emerging as kind of a freshman of the year candidate. Obviously not going to happen in the ACC. He's going to be the center of their team next year. Yeah, oh, yes. I mean, just a fantastic player. But still, what what North Carolina State was able to do, and you know, guys like Sam Hunt shooting the lights out right now, Omar Ustevin still doing his thing from the inside, I, I just see this team as a dangerous team, and I see Syracuse as a Syracuse team that's not as good as other Syracuse teams. Yeah. I mean, that's, all, that's there. all I see. We'll go to Louisville, North Carolina. I originally thought Louisville on the podcast, but then when I came to my senses Saturday evening and I was doing nothing, which is generally the best time to act on a line. And I noticed that it was a it was either a pick'em or Carolina plus one, and I and I thought to myself, is this so simple that it you know, sometimes that happens. Yeah. The old, it's a trap, right? Well, I didn't have the it's a trap feeling. I'm like <laughs> This should just go this way, and it did. Louisville, they're no longer a top 20 defense. No. No, they're not. And, and that's really all it was. I mean, Carolina was getting good threes. They were getting penetration, and Louisville just, they can't. I, I, I don't trust that team offensively. UNC also murdered them on the glass, which mm-hmm. is kind of I a, a slight surprise to me, even though we've kind of watched Louisville not be the Louisville of the Patino era in the past. Right, they're actually one of the worst rebounding teams in the country right Right, now. but I still kind of like associate them in my head with that, and I think, well, they have those guys. It's the same guys in the front court from last year. Yeah, so, pretty much. What I, I was surprised at was that Luke May was able to do damage, and I thought that Louisville would have some players in the post to combat Luke May, but you know what? He, he got his 19, and... He might win Player of the Year. I can't believe I'm saying this. Whoa, how many more games? How many games does Bagley have I, to miss? For I don't this know. To you know how many? I don't know how many, or if Bagley's even going to come back before the ACC tournament. I, I have doubts. You know, I, this thing was only supposed to be a one-game injury. Now it's all the way to three. Um, and they're fine without. But him. I think Luke May is your ACC Player of the Year. How crazy is wow, that? If I was a no voter, way. I don't know if I'd burn my ballot or not. But yeah, whatever. He's not going to be played. Like, what happened to Mahmoud? What happened to Spalding? Why couldn't they deal with him? It's inexplicable with that part of the game. The rest of the game is explicable how Carolina was able to get open threes. They were able to just take it to Louisville. So, So, yeah. So, they've they've gone full Golden State there at UNC. They've they've got their death lineup now with Luke May running the five, 
right? Cameron Johnson at the four. Helps when you, yeah, you're or Theo Pinson, steering I clear of Fouchable, which is what they've been yeah. doing recently. And so, just sh- shooting great. a lot better than they have at the beginning of the season. Right. They are now an excellent three-point shooting team with a guard in Joel Berry who can get to the basket whenever he wants. Should we credit this to Roy Williams? Like, if they have fully morphed from the traditional Roy Williams of, like, lots of athletic big guys who just run the floor and just run you out of the gym, throw the front court at you with, like, speed and and everything – and now they're like Golden State with shooting and spreading, and and Luke May is your five. Mm-hmm. If that's is that Roy Williams coaching, or is that that's like the most amazing coaching adjustment? I mean, yeah. that's crazy. Man, and, you don't. I don't and know. they're still out rebounding people. Is that is that real? Is that well? That's happening? coaching. I mean, that's well, coaching. They're he's a Hall of Fame coach. You know, I mean, you can't you can't undervalue coaching. You've seen it with obviously the other side of this coin, which is Louisville. That was the other, your other ACC Hall of Fame coach. Don't you dare Roy talk Williams. to me about David Padgett. Okay. <laughs> so Tech squared. I want to mention this game Don't in passing, you dare. but Virginia Tech wiped the floor with the Georgia Tech on the road. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a, whatever. I don't even know what's left at Georgia Tech. Um, mm. You know. Their Pat, fans are left. You know, Pastors I gotta, fighting off allegations. You I have know? to say, their fans, I can't tell if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I was watching when they played Duke and they were down by about 13 with a minute left or a minute 30 left and their mm-hmm. fans were still on their feet and cheering for every basket. I'm like, is that a good thing for a fan base or a bad thing? Like, are you very enthusiastic and you're diehard or do you just not know basketball? Because if <laughs> I was in that game, I'd be heading for the exits. No, they're enthusiastic. Okay, thank you, Taylor. Absolutely. <laughs> well, would, it be, would it be very diplomatic and trying Don't- to... I like that. I, I like it too. I don't leave games early. Let's let's go to the fourth game. No, well, I, I turned on the game early. and I heard like these shouts <laughs> from the arena, and I I thought like maybe it's a game, and then I look at the score and I'm like, wait, why are they so excited? You, well, did you see what, what the line was? Oh, okay, that, that maybe that touche. had something to do with it. Touche. Yeah, maybe that's why they were on their feet. I don't know what else we could go over from this past week. Well, yesterday you had Miami and Notre Dame, which was which was a pretty yeah. big win for Miami. It was a it. pretty big loss for Notre Dame. Yeah, I might be the only person in the country who th- thought that Miami might be on the bubble after b- before last night. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what everybody's seen with this Miami team. What am I <laughs> well, missing here? Aside from Wichita what State, their non-conference here? is pretty terrible. Yeah, they got a win against Minnesota, which everybody thought was huge back in December. Yeah. How does that look now? Not as good. Oh, sorry, not Wichita State. Sorry, wrong. I mean, but they they did also beat uh, Middle Tennessee. That's great. Yeah, that's the that's their best out of conference win. Um, look, if this he, team is not a double digit seed, yeah, Miami's, I don't know what I no, don't even know. They're about not. The Miami, they're going to be like world. what an eight or nine. We didn't really talk about them that much with Chris, but is eight and nine are those double digits? Did I miss something? No, I'm saying they're going to be that. You're saying you want you think they should be a double digit? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I'm just saying they're not going to be. Yeah, Miami is just barely a 500 team with Gosh. Brown out. You know, Bruce Brown obviously gave them a lot of big buckets, but oh, what the, you saw was, the injury sympathy. I'm was so Lonnie upset. Walker. What you saw was Lonnie Walker against Notre Dame. I mean, he put that team on his back in those big possessions. He personally took it from a one possession game all the way up to a three possession game. I thought he was great, and obviously Izundu uh, controlled the glass and was able to dominate inside on Notre Dame. Huge loss for Notre Dame. You know, Matt Farrell. 
kind of got into that hero ball mode yeah. there at the end. Here's what Miami did, because everybody likes X's and O's apparently in this podcast. Miami did a very good job of zone trapping Matt Farrell. They were excellent trapping him with two long, lengthy players. Mm-hmm. You know, fill in the blanks. Right. And it did damage. And, and it's ironic that you say and he that. he was getting in the air and trying to pass. And that's you only know, and that, that problem is only exacerbated by the fact that he wanted to shoot. He hero ball like he was. Right. Like, I mean, he a, hit some a, of those shots. Okay, early you're on the, in the perimeter. Game. You're on the right wing. You're on the left wing. Here comes a two person trap. Right. It, Deal it, with it. It's funny that you talk about how how great, um, or you know, I guess how good that the Miami trap was on Farrell because what actually happened late game there for Miami was that they actually had Jaquan Newton pinned in a two-man trap in the corner, pinned against half court. He was actually able to split that, was able to dish to Zundu for the end one, and that was the nail in the coffin, put them up by three possessions. It was. And that that ended the game. So it's, it's interesting to point that out. Okay, here's a drill. One word answer from each of you. Okay. One word? One word. See, this is always bad for me because I put like the like the or an in front you of it. You can do two. But okay, go And ahead. then you talk for Boston it, yeah. College Pitt. What happened? <laughs> what happened in that game? Oh. Can you describe that game in one term? One word. Come back. Tease. <laughs> I like it. Tease I was watching that. I, I like I mean, it, I, Taylor. I'm going to be honest. I didn't, obviously, I didn't like set my alarm clock to watch that game. <laughs> and so I just like kind of was like, I don't know, on Twitter and I saw, oh, Pitt's kind of still in this. I was like, oh, whatever. And then I was like, oh, Pitt's kind of still in this. Right. And then, and then you put on your Boston College pajamas, and it worked out Yeah, for the Eagles. Right, yeah. Pitt was up, what, 20 with uh, only 25 minutes left to go in the game. <laughs> somehow somehow lost by 23. I mean, I'm a big BC guy, but I kind of was – Interested in seeing Pitt win a game. Yeah. Well, you okay. can't stop the train that is Jerome Robinson. Well, in a spoiler alert He's, of our... I, well, didn't he get an injury tonight? Yeah, he didn't play he well did. tonight against NC State, but he has been on an absolute He's still on my ACC. first team. Yeah, As yeah, of I mean, today, he's on my first He's team. averaging 28 in the ACC. He has to be, right? He's the second leading scorer overall in the ACC. The fifth slot of our all-ACC team is still up for grabs, so gentlemen... Do your best in the final four games. Okay, how many teams do we have in the tournament? I would say, are we just going to be safe and say nine? Yeah. If we go ten, we're naive. If we go eight, we're like balls to the I wall. honestly feel like the safe thing is to say eight. No, no. I don't think so. I think safe is You don't nine. think Syracuse is going to drop out? I mean, that win at Miami was big, but you don't think they're going to drop out? I don't think the ACC deserves to have more than seven in. I'll be honest. I would say they don't deserve more than eight. Give them, I mean, give three bids to Conference USA. Put Western Kentucky, ODU, Middle Tennessee State in there. Come on. Come on, committee. They finally got the Bonaventures in there. Man, they're awesome. I think Notre Dame and Boston College both deserve the Bonaventures. That's not their mascot. That's my <laughs> that's my hot take for this week. All right. Do we All pick right. lines or do, do we go mailbag or do we push the mailbag to next week for more responses? Oh, we got, we got quite a few. But anyways, we can we can push it to Let's next week. Let's go mailbag. All right. Well, you All know right. what? Our, our parents did raise great fans. They even <laughs> cut that out. We shall now proceed to the mailbag. We're going to do a quick one. Just a couple couple questions here, but I, I'm, I'm loving some of these. Uh, at agray710 on Twitter, shout out, because this is amazing. Who is the best dressed coach in the ACC? 
There is no doubt in feelings. my mind. There's no doubt in my mind who it is. I'm waiting. Pins and needles. <laughs> Give it to me. Mike Bray. Yeah. My man has never worn a tie, and I love it. I mean, every time you see Mike Bray at like one of those preseason tournaments in Hawaii or something, fits right in. He's killing it. Yeah, he the fits man right is in. killing it. Get this man a convertible <laughs> and a little nip somewhere, you know? He's just great. He basically got all the awesome things that go with a midlife crisis, midlife crisis <laughs> without the actual crisis, I feel like. Uh, I kind of I That's very that. funny. I admire that. Um yeah. What about worst dressed? I also no. I was, was going to say the same thing. No, no. I'll t- yeah, exactly. You the know what's so funny? I was going to put Beheim as dark my blazer. best dress. Feels like he's dressing for my job. <laughs> I, I was going to put him as my best dress because I, I bet respect he his old man style. Beheim wears corduroys on the weekend. There's no doubt. <laughs> Indeed. I, I mean, he he did throw that all white tracksuit on one time. Which did he? Yeah. That was unfortunate. All right, <laughs> I'm preventing you from going to go to Laranega rant uh, right now. Um, oh wait, that was Laren- yeah, Laranega. Well, Amazing. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna mute your mic if you continue. <laughs> All right. Well, one one other interesting question was about Coach K's uh, response to an FBI investigation question this is also at from the end of that game. Yeah. Here's the exact quote. I haven't followed it at all in reference to the investigation and its reporting. And I don't follow Yahoo. When I grew up, if you were called a Yahoo, that wasn't nice. Cue all the beat writers for Duke just laughing, <laughs> fake laughing. Oh, <laughs> keep going, keep going. I mean, I, I've been, I've been so in a tunnel, in a cave with my team, I'm not up to date on it. So I apologize. Cue all the Duke beat writers. <laughs> <laughs> kind, of, kind of a very, very odd moment there. Here's what the other so coach... So passive aggressive to be like, I apologize. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was very passive aggressive. And then here are the other quotes from coaches around the ACC when asked the same question. Kevin Keats. We are 100% not involved in this, close quote. Roy Williams, I feel very comfortable, which is surprising. If the phone rings at night. No, are you serious? If the phone rings at night, I'm not worried about that. I may worry about a lot of other things, but it ain't about that. Cue finger wag. <laughs> Here's he another might have a, a case for best dress also. The window pane uh, suits. Right, He's right, got it on lock. And then your last quote. Mr. From, Gray. On Twitter. From your ACC perennial coach of the year, Tony Bennett. Everybody loves him. What I'm thankful for is the young men in our program and how we run it. Just in Thomas Jefferson's voice. We're not perfect, but we can sleep at night and we can go out and do it the right way, more or less is what he said. That doesn't make me feel comfortable. That's kind of a dodge. Yeah. So anyways, you compare those quotes from the ACC leaders and then you look at Coach K's quote. I haven't looked at it. In other words, stop asking me this question because I don't want to answer it. You should ask Beheim and he'll probably give you inf- insider information about like he, which territory to investigate. I think he already did with that quote at the end of that uh, Clemson oh, game, right? When he was oh, like, oh, the, you know, there's the some Miami other shade. guys that are still coaching. Other Adidas, all day I dream about sports guys. Yeah, I'd love for him to throw that in. That would be great. Beheim is just going to – yeah, he's going to be a great commentator on ESPN in about – Three years because he's just gonna be throwing everybody under the bus. It's gonna be a mess. Yeah, fantastic. Is Duke, is Duke playing paying players? Um, yeah. Well, I, I think Jason. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jason. Cable, I don't know. Isn't, isn't I don't Jason? Know. Isn't that what Jason Cable was removed from Oklahoma for doing? I, yeah, to use the term from our bros, Titus 
and Tate. Yeah. Bagman. Good podcast. I mean, good listen. Didn't good the, didn't the freshman influx begin when Capel came? Yeah, I mean they've completely changed their whole style, the whole Duke thing. I, I mean, know. there's no more, you know, Brian Zubek patrolling the paint out there, but uh yeah. Well, there was a Plumley after Zubek. Yeah, but there's no more Plumleys. <laughs> uh, Somebody make me a new Plumley. I'm sure in like 2045, <laughs> I think the be last like Plumley was. Two. I but think it, it was created in the lab. The last uh, one. It was. They all are. Yeah. yeah, they're amazing. Those guys. I uh, mean, I kind of, I don't. Maybe I'm, I'm just naive, but I kind of find it compelling the pitch that who there was some recruit who didn't end up going to Duke, but he said like the pitch to him was like. Duke will take care of you for life in that, like, there's... Are you talking about Corey Baghetti? Is that... uh, No. (laughs) Talking about recently. (laughs) Talking about whoever it was, like, I forget who it was. My memory's back, Taylor. You better be careful. (laughs) Yeah. They said, uh, like, basically... Chris Duhon's relatives? Not. Immediate? The Duhon No. Uh, Oh, okay. All right. But the pitch is, like, Duke, you know, no matter where... If you are a college basketball player and you're not going to the NBA, or you are going to the NBA... If you want to work at a top 40 law firm, if you want to work at some huge white shoe firm in New York, or you want to go work in real estate in Florida, there's always a Duke alum who will hook you up. If you're mm-hmm. a lacrosse player. Or, no, or a basketball let's player. Go. Anybody. Uh, pick li- picking lines. Anybody. All right. Let's get to lines. We appreciate the questions. We'll get to the rest of them uh, in the coming weeks. But yes, great job, everybody there on Twitter and through email. And thanks to our parents for raising great uh, questionnaires. You, you can keep sticking Can, with can that. we throw like one that. more? To finish this mailbag, uh... A question from our friend Jeff Haddon. A consistent Hayden. listener. It's definitely a Hayden. Is it Hayden? I'm guessing. This is another one of our... Okay. Jeff, tweet at us and tell us how to pronounce your last name. And maybe we shouldn't be uh, putting you on blast with your last name, but anyway. <laughs> okay, question. What is the best value on national championship odds? Ah. You know I love a futures bet, which is a sucker's bet, but you know it's fun. Mike is ready to fire cannons. Can I give you a little, this little question? Short detour on the futures bet question. Famous. So Mike and I, infamously, are brothers-in-law. We mm-hmm. share a father-in-law. Right. And uh, we share sisters. We share sisters. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic. We once, we Mike and I once went to a lesbian bar and uh, had a great time. Just the two of us, and they asked us, "Are you married?" And we said, "Yes." And I held up my hand to show my wedding ring. Right. And we got treated the best I've ever been treated in any bar I've ever been in. Right. Because they assumed we, we, were, we were married to each other. Yeah. Right. Which and is, it was amazing. Yeah. You really, you, I'm not going to lie. You definitely did not imply throughout the night that we were not married. Well, like, I mean, <laughs> once like, they were like just bringing me free drinks, there was a yeah. volleyball, a sandpit volleyball court in the back of the bar. I was like, yeah, whatever. Right. right. I'll the, take it. Did you have the ridiculous haircut you're sporting now? I don't remember. Yeah, uh, I just I just noticed that. Right. I now. don't know. I'll tell you the the price of Taylor's honesty overall is about three rum and cokes. <laughs> so if any if anybody's looking to compromise this individual, that's what it is. So going back to the lines, which I have no idea how that was a detour. Oh wait, the, way, the, the detour overall. was that uh, the an annual gift for our father-in-law that Mike. Oh yes. Right. Always always gets, and I participate by putting my name on the card. Right. Uh. But not contributing any money to the gift. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Of course not. What am I? Who is yeah, this? Yeah. Every year, uh, he's, I get he's him a the big gift. Kentucky basketball fan, and Mike always gets him a futures bet for Kentucky to make the final four. To make the final four. Yeah. And Mike, being a contrarian and a friend to all of the non-power fives, that's a huge gift for Mike. Mm-hmm. Huge. Probably gift. 
shorts I mean, them every year. Yeah, every year. <laughs> Even the undefeated team. He's like, no it's, way they're making this title yeah, I mean, there's a couple times Dad. when it's been pretty Yeah, it, uh, cashed, pretty it cashed recently the Julius Randle year. He yeah. took them there uh, when it was, I think it was 9-1 to one odds. Yeah, because they, uh, they were not a 5 seed yeah, or I think they below. were an 8. I think I they were an 8 that and, year. And you loved um, them, obviously. So Anyways, 11 months in advance, futures gift for your uh, we gotta do this significant quickly. others, favorite BC teams. BC at NC State. Well, oh, well, getting back to your futures question, um, let me oh, do it real oh, quick. Go ahead. Um, your current odds favorite right now is Villanova at nine to two. Putrid odds, putrid odds. No, for your it. overall national. You guys got not, You guys took Villanova in Vegas for what? Twenty to one. Um, it was ten to one. Ten to one. Uh, that's not great, but you, it, wasn't it great. worked. It worked. It worked. It cashed. It did. Cashed. They won cashed the title. Money. If you check our Twitter feed, you'll see a picture of it. Um, from, of the slip. Yeah, of the slip. Did you frame it of and the not Chris catch Jenkins it here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was great. Um, okay, so right now looking, just quickly looking through these lines, I mean, I see a couple of teams in here that I think are really interesting at the 25-to-1 range. Pretty much I would take all the 25-to-1 teams over any of the other teams just because, just based on value, and that is North Carolina, Wichita State, Gonzaga, Florida and Alabama. I, and even I think Rhode Island even sneaks in there to 40 to 1. Those are all very interesting teams to me at that value. I mean, if, you, if you're going to do one of these kind of silly futures bets, I would, I would play more in that range. So what that's is my Kansas? Advice. What is the Kansas future? Oh, uh, Kansas future too is much of a public 20, team. 20, 20 to 1. Too much of a public Can I ask you a question? Why didn't we take Virginia to 120 to 1 at the start of the year? Uh, because we're gun shy. Okay. 120. That's yeah. what it was? It's wild. I'm sure. Wow. I wouldn't have taken that. <laughs> I, oh, you could have sold it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You could have. They'll, I think they'll make the Final Four this year. All right. Let's go to lines. All right. Boston College at NC State. We're well, not going to take very much time on this one, guys. Well, Just well, go. The game is already over, so we technically can't pick that. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Forget that. But I would yeah, take, I'm NC take NC State. State. I'll State. take NC State. Yeah. We're all on the board. UNC at Syracuse. I'm taking North Carolina. I'm riding it. Ooh, this is a must-win game. Carolina Syracuse plus three. We'll say that. UNC Carolina's giving three. three on the road at the Dome. It's a very needed game for the Orange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be honest. I like Syracuse okay. here. I like Syracuse. Oh. I'll take Syracuse plus three against UNC. Are you familiar loves with how UNC. North Carolina's made up this year? How, how they're like their personnel works around the floor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. yep. Right. I'm familiar. I'm familiar. Great three point shooting. Guess team. they don't have a mid range jump shooter in the hole. They guess won't. they don't have one of those guys. <laughs> they won't who win might the rebounding be, game against who Syracuse. Who might may or yep. may not have eyebrows, but he <laughs> certainly has a sharpie. Next up, Louis- I'll take UNC too. Okay, I'm with good. You. Um, you're riding, you're riding the gravy train. I know, mm-hmm. top dog right now. Louisville at Duke, Duke twelve point favorites at home. I don't even, I don't think I can take this Louisville team the rest of the year. Right, everybody has assumed that the wheels have fallen off the wagon. They Give have. me Louisville. Let's do it. Let's go cards. Twelve points is a lot of points, and Duke, I still don't think can guard anyone. Um, but there's no way that Louisville can keep up. So I got to go with Duke. I'll take sadly. Duke. Yeah, Duke minus 12. Is, that's, Don't a overthink cra- it. that's a crazy high line. There are other underdogs to take, Taylor. You can join us here. And you no, can I'm taking be... Louisville. Okay, fine. I, I think the more they... Well, you're going to lose. I think the game's going to be pretty fast-paced. I think that benefits Louisville. Okay. Okay. Clemson at VT. I'm taking Tech at home. It's a pick em. So we, we talked a little bit earlier about 
Clemson's inability to mix it up with their lineups because of a lack of depth. Do you want to know what my confidence level of this is on a scale of 1 to 10? I'm going to say it's pretty high for Virginia it's an Tech. 8.2. Wow. An 8.2? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty high for you. That's really high. Man. Um, I'm actually going to side with you. I, this is this is maybe the beginning of the end for Clemson. Virginia I'm gonna, Tech. I'm going to take Tech, too. They're playing well. I think they're playing, playing, playing well. I think just like it's a good matchup for them in that they have a lot of uh, they don't have size, but it doesn't matter because there's only one. Yeah, I mean, it's Clemson. Elijah Thomas versus Blackshear. Right. I, I like and, that matchup and, and, for Virginia Tech. And Tech has always moved the ball so well They when they're on, and they have lots of guys with like speed, movement. I mean, Chris Clark, the shooting. I, I think mean, the big, the big question here, and I'll just get into this just for, for a second here. The big question here is the game within the game of Gabe DeVoe versus Justin Robinson. Justin Robinson – Obviously, is an offensive dominant force for Virginia Tech. Gabe DeVoe is Clemson's best defender. You know, if Mitchell is not back for Clemson and Gabe DeVoe is forced to work on both ends like that, but if Mitchell is back and maybe able to share that load a little bit, bring up the ball, you know, it'll be maybe that'll make it a more interesting. Clemson is more for they're more comfortable in a slower pace on offense, and Virginia Tech wants to push the pace. Clemson is not going to be able to slow down Virginia Tech on the on their defensive end. They're, they are not going to be able to slow down Virginia Tech because they just don't have the personnel to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Virginia Tech is too able to move the ball around, get mismatches. I mean, yeah. Okay, the next two games of the list have already happened, so we're going to go over them. Yeah, let's gonna, go with Alabama skip at them. Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Alabama at Auburn. Big game. I, I'm guessing Taylor made this list. Um, I'm assuming, what do they call it when Alabama plays Auburn in basketball? Do they have a name for it? I mean, it's obviously the Iron Bowl for football. What is it for basketball? Poison the tree. (laughs) Poison the tree. All right. Avery Johnson versus Bruce Pearl. Um, great coaching game here. Auburn currently looking like six point favorites. I feel like, I feel like Auburn's in sliding territory. This might be their Purdue week. I don't know, man. I mean, Mac I'm going to go with Alabama. I'm sorry. Macklemore's go a huge I'm loss. taking the dog in the road. You know, Alabama's trending in the right direction with obviously Sexton playing amazing basketball right now. I still go with Auburn. I still think that they're I watching them play. They appear to be one of the best teams in college basketball. I love the way that they play offensively. Defensively, they're aggressive. Um, you know, if if they can get someone in there to protect the rim in Macklemore's absence, I still like him to play well. Now and into the future, into March. Yeah. Tell that briefly. Auburn at home. Okay, Michigan, Penn State. Penn State, one of the hottest teams in college basketball, despite the three-point loss to Purdue, but they still covered Mike. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that Purdue game was interesting because Penn State had an opportunity to totally quit in that game where they were down 11 with about six or seven minutes to play, and they rallied back. For gamblers. Yeah, for gamblers, for all of us. Um, yeah, one of the best defensive teams in the country there at Penn State. I, I like the way they match up with Michigan. I like Penn State, I too. I like Penn State. I'm taking Penn State. I don't State. like Michigan on the road here. Tell me tell me honestly, is Penn State good? It's kind of a crazy team in that you look at them on the Ken They are now. They're 25th they in Kim Palm ratings. They've always they, been they pretty weren't, high. They weren't, but now they're not. They're they, now they are. They were not. Now they are. They're projected to miss the tournament. Are they going to make the tournament? I don't care. They're good now. Ugh. It doesn't matter. If they, I mean, this is their game. Give, this is their game to make the tournament. I think they'll do it. 
I think it's so at too. home, but I don't like them as favorites. You know what game this is? Just gonna, to be different from you guys, I'm going to take Michigan. This is going to remind me of the Northwestern game from last year, where Northwestern needed to beat Michigan at home in order to get into the tournament. I took Michigan in that game. They lost by one. I'm not making the same mistake this year. Give me Penn State. If Michigan day. loses by one, they'll cover, so that's great. <laughs> Excellent. We are brought to you by Three Notched Brewery. You can check out their sites at Charlottesville and also at Richmond, Virginia. And where else, Taylor? Harrison Fine Bird. grocers locally and also in Harrisonburg, Virginia. So mm-hmm. big shout out to our sponsor. And finally, I'm going to close with this, right? You asked a question last week on the Taylor Pilkington. And we turned the music off. Knowledge quest, a life experience. And I have the ultimate answer, sir. For, okay. Give it to me. You've got a player and you've got a musician. They're going to live together. And we're going to film it. Yeah. You know who it is? Kenny G and Kenny Kaji. <laughs> Put them together in Coral Gables, baby. There's going to be a lot of drama. We're trying to figure out the, uh, the humidity of Kenny G's curls, how they're going to deal with that. They're going to be back G, and man. forth with Coral He's, Gables to it's Miami. Great. It's a fantastic show. K2, K-squared. There's nothing you can say to top that. Kenny He's G and Kenny Kaji. He's a two-handicapped golfer, Kenny G. You know that? What about Kenny Kaji? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I assume he's excellent. My answer for that was going to be Jack White two times. Give me the musician and the Duke player. Boom. <laughs> My uh, answer was going to be Sam Hunt, the musician, and the NC State player. Oh, okay. And we're going to call the show Body Like a Backroad. <laughs> and, and it's just going to be watching both Sam Hunt swipe left and right on Tinder all night long. Uh.